Welcome to this evening's episode of Atlantic Tales when we'll hear about the award-winning Loop Head Together project and the work local communities are doing on the West Clare Peninsula. Loop Head Together is a peninsula-wide network of community groups. Although this coming together is relatively new, community groups and volunteers have been working hard in their local areas for many years. Geographically, Loop Head Together comprises groups from Carrigaholt, Cross, Dunaha, Kilbaha, Kilbalion, Kilkey, Lisdeen, Movine, Moyasta and Quirin, but this umbrella body very much includes all smaller areas on the peninsula. Mags Cotter is a volunteer with Loop Head Together. The Loop Head Together project, it came about as really was the brainchild of Carrigahold Development Association. There had been a bit of talk among various groups in the area about whether it would be beneficial to have an umbrella group, like a helicopter view of all the different things that were going on in Loop Head. And I had been a community development officer with Clare County Council for a while, and I could see myself that there would be a benefit to having that helicopter view. So I would, personally, I was in favour of it. So Carrigahold Development Association ultimately sought leader funding to explore this, to see if it was a possibility, to possibly do a, a plan for Loop Head. And one of the outputs of that plan was Loop Head Together. Originally it formed as a group of disparate people just coming together to have a chat about the future of Loop Head. I suppose a big impetus of that was the population decline here and that was, was one of the major talking points. So that was the, the, the beginning, the, the seedlings I guess. We were quite lucky that when the leader funding was sought it went to a local company called Aston Eco who are a husband and wife team and they facilitated it, brought our group actually together and developed a plan and we ran with that. So we formed a company limited by guarantee. We are a fledgling company really, but we see that company as vital to drawing down funds and furthering projects in the area in the future. It covers a large area from, I mean, our, I suppose our local market town would be Kilrush. So once you come out of Kilrush, from our perspective, you're heading towards Loop Head. You're coming towards the peninsula. And they were the communities that we were particularly focused on. So really, it starts at Moyasta. So Moyasta, Kilkee, Danaha, Quirin, Carrigaholt, Kilbaha, Cross Village, all of these areas are, are part of Loop Head together. And what we have done is we have formed partnerships with community groups in those areas so that we can try and create a communication between all of the various groups and communities on the loop so that we can have some kind of, I suppose, cohesion in planning going forward. Um, I would have seen as a development officer that quite frequently you get communities who are neighbouring but who are rivals. They are rivals for funding, they are rivals for projects. So what we were trying to, I suppose, encourage here was a spirit of collaboration. And people here are willing to collaborate. It's about opening pathways of communication so that they can see what are other groups doing, what could we do that could build on that and leveraging out of each other's strengths really. Is it difficult or has it been difficult where you have two neighbouring parishes or two neighbouring villages getting them to realise they're better off working together than separately? Not really actually and it's a, that's a funny one because 
Historically, I suppose Ireland will be famous for a nation of begrudgers and, and looking over the fence at what they're doing on the other side. But I think people are very open to the idea of working together when they can see that it's to their mutual benefit. What we have to caution against if you're doing a partnership with communities like this or as an umbrella association, you have to caution against any of the communities having the bigger voice. Everybody needs to feel that they've got a seat at the table and that it's inclusive and that they're engaged and involved. But once I think people feel that they are engaged and that they're involved, that hasn't really been a problem. Now, having said that, we are a fledgling group, so we have a long way to go to build proper communication networks and we're aware of that, so there is work to be done. Nonetheless, we haven't faced any animosity or we haven't faced anybody yet who has, you know, been critical or said this won't work. Generally speaking, people see the benefit to working together. It is, as we say, rural community. People still want to live in a community like that. They still want to stay at home for the most part, do they? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a certain, you'll always have the youngsters who want to go off and have the city live, and mm -hmm. we all did it, you know, um, have your own stint with the nightclubs and whatever else, concerts. <laughs> and. But I think generally, yeah, a lot of people, and a lot of people find that West of Ireland lifestyle very desirable. They see it as a slower pace of life, maybe a nicer way to ra raise children. Um, but look, there's no, there's no point in pretending that the reality of this place isn't there. This is an area that has suffered horrendous depopulation. Um, that was the prime motivator for setting up this group in the first instance. Uh, statistically, Loophead has lost an individual a fortnight since 1981. And unless we start replacing these individuals, these areas are going to suffer, you know, terminal decline. And, uh, Clare County Council at one point put together a, a, a rural development strategy and they mentioned that in that strategy that there was a risk of terminal decline in Loophead because of the population. So it's something we have to be very mindful of and I think a group like this really are prime motivator while the, the depopulation is a major concern. But if you have a vibrant community you are more likely to have people who want to stay you are more likely to have people who want to live there rather than just holiday there. And really that's what this is about, creating a place where it's fantastic, a fantastic place to live and making our communities and our villages and our towns more vibrant and not just focusing on the summer months, which is something that the west of Ireland has found very challenging. So this is, I suppose, by the community, for the community. It's not essentially for tourists or for boosting or marketing, or it's for community purposes. Presumably you'd like to see people return to the Loophead Peninsula, people who have gone overseas to Australia or America, wherever yeah. it is, and hopefully they're listening or reading up on what's happening yeah. here. And they may say, look, maybe it is time to go back. There is a lot more in our community now than there was 20, 30, 40 years ago. That would be the hope. I mean, there's no point in pretending. Of course, you'd always love to see people, and especially people who have an enormous affinity and a love for the place and a loyalty to the place. You'd love to see them coming back, as I'm sure many of their family members who are here would, would agree. But unless, again, unless we make this community more vibrant, and it's not, this is a fantastic place to live, but you know we want to it has to appeal to everybody from the cradle to the grave so for the teenagers for those in their 20s you know for for all of those age groups we have to try and encourage a rural ireland that is a place that they feel they belong it's not just Loophead, it's everywhere so this is our small part to making this area maybe tick some of those boxes for those individuals I think I'm going back to the things I
Tell me about the awards and how important they are to keeping people motivated. Well, I suppose the two awards that we won, look, we were delighted to win them. The first award was the it's the Pride of Place Island and Coastal Communities Award. So it's a 32-county All-Ireland Award. We were thrilled to win it. Clare County Council had nominated several groups for, for these awards. We were delighted to win our category. For us, we are a young group, but we are partnered with several very well-established groups in the area. So when we had the judges out here, we didn't just showcase things that we had done, we showcased the work of those other partner groups. For them to get the kudos that they so richly deserve for the work and the effort that goes in very often unnoticed and maybe they don't get paid, they're all volunteers. So for them to get a little bit of kudos for the work and effort that they've put in over the years. But also it has given us an opportunity to show people that yes, we are here, we, we are making these strides, we're making these efforts. And it has definitely motivated us as a group and indeed motivated people to reach out to us and say we'd like to become involved. So that's a fantastic output of it as well. The Climate Action Award, that's a fantastic award to win, particularly given the current environmental concerns. So if we can demonstrate, as we have, that we have a community here that are invested in improving their environment and their local area and taking positive initiatives for, for climate action, I don't see why other places can't do it but also it does demonstrate that the area is a little bit forward-thinking their fingers on the pulse of what's current and what needs to be done and we were very fortunate too that we have people amazing people living in this area I mean Laura and Daniel that were on in in that project with us are both scientists they're both very very well regarded very knowledgeable so we were very privileged to have them with us on that journey um, there are individuals within our group that have specific areas of expertise um, from project management, marketing, accountancy, I mean media. It's, we're, we've just been very lucky. Um, but I don't doubt that other areas have these individuals too, you know. It's about bringing people around a table and capitalising on that. Loop Head Together is made up of community groups from villages right across the peninsula. To get a flavour of what these groups are doing, our journey today begins in Kilkee. Johnny Redmond is a Kilkee resident and retrofit engineer with Electric Ireland Super Homes. He is also involved with the SEAI Sustainable Energy Communities Project in Kilkee. SEAI, I guess in the last 10 or 15 years, have come up with the Sustainable Energy Communities Project. The idea of it is to bring communities together to change the way that a community thinks about energy and its use. Myself and my brother-in-law, we got together and registered Kilkee as a part of this project. So we're now known as an SEC, so Kilkee SEC, Sustainable Energy Community. We've conducted a lot of meetings and we've kind of done a fair bit of this just together. We've registered with SEAI and last year we received the Energy Master Plan grant from SEAI, 15,000 euros, of which was conducted through last year. Uh, it's been a bit slow because obviously with COVID and everything else, but uh, we since we started, we've had three energy audits done on domestic houses in Kilkee and two on community projects like the community centre and uh, one on a local business. So we're just they're putting the final touches to those reports now. And what's involved in that? What are the benefits of that? At the beginning, I suppose, we're kind of, myself and uh, Killian are 
working, I suppose, trying to figure it out, uh, how it all works. And then and th we, we, we kind of wanted to get a base. We wanted to get, get the grants in place and then decide on a way forward and bring in the communities then because get different committees, subcommittees together to identify different projects they might want to see happening in Kilkee. So one of them is like uh, lately we, did, we spoke about perhaps starting a metal scheme of taking 12 or 20 houses in Kilkee, identifying them and having their attics insulated. Low hanging fruit I know but it's a start. So where we would you know get people together say okay we you all want to insulate your attic, we'd get the grants from SEAI and maybe get an installer to come and do a deal on those 10 or 12 houses and then like that's one project done it could be a community energy project like a house in the town that might need to be re retrofitted uh, as in a full retrofit me and my capacity now as an engineer i work for electric garden superhomes now so i'd be fairly knowledgeable when it comes to um, surveying houses and making recommendations for upgrades in the current climate johnny everybody is about saving being more energy efficient and saving a few bob if they can. And this project is helping people do that. Yeah, well, I suppose it's uh, on a singular scale, it's about introducing and advising homeowners, you know, the simplest ways to reduce their energy costs in their houses. I mean, this all started off, we have a, a mentorship from SEAI and we have been advised by them on the steps to take, you know. Now, thankfully, I have some information that I can give out to the homeowners as well, but essentially it's just about, you know, a grassroots trying to give people good advice about how to make their houses warmer, make their houses healthier, reduce their energy consumption, annual consumption, and uh, how to basically, there's a good few different types of SEAI grants out at the moment and available and how to guide people to where to get them and the, and the best way to use them. We have accessibility to consultants as well. You know, so this is what the master plan was about. And when they, you know, they've looked at Kilkee as a whole, they've looked at some of the things that are in Kilkee, some of the projects, some identified, some that would be a good idea to perhaps investigate um, surveying them and retrofitting them. So I suppose it gives us access to SEAI and the expertise that they have, along with the expertise that I now have as well as, a, as a, an energy auditor. The work you're doing with the project in Kilkee, Johnny, this is something that can be done elsewhere in the peninsula, right across Loophead, with groups and private homes and business. Absolutely. I mean, I would see Kilkee as, you know, being the kind of a, 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 we're dipping our foot in the water for the first time and testing how this works. And there's no reason why Carrigaholt, Kilbaryon, Kilbaha, any of the areas down in Dunaha can't have their own little sustainable energy community. Uh, you know, based on the outcomes of ours, there's no reason why any of these communities even, you know, can't form their own sustainable energy community and get the same supports that we have here in Kilkee. And, and you know, we'll see. We'll see how we progress and we can all learn from each other as we've always done here on the Loophead Peninsula. Coming up, we'll hear about another project in Kilkee before we travel west along the Loophead Peninsula to meet more groups working together to develop their communities. Welcome back to Atlantic Tales. Today we're visiting the Loophead Peninsula to meet some of the groups that comprise the Loophead Together project. Before we leave Kilkee, the local community here has been busy paying back a historic debt on a local playground while developing and maintaining the very popular amenity. Joanne Dillon is chairperson of the Kilkee Playground and AstroTurf Committee. My involvement started back uh, in 2019, just before COVID in March, it was probably January. 
and I was in the playground with a few parents one day and we were like, is there a committee? And we were, you know, we were chatting amongst ourselves and I said, you know what, I think Father Kenny was, in, was involved. So I popped over to him and he said, we don't really have a committee and we would love to have you on board. So the few parents, we all gathered together and we set up a committee. Um, at that time, it was going to close for COVID, but it wasn't going to reopen because it, it was in such a state of repair that the Rospa report, it, no insurance, it wouldn't have been able to open. So we then started a GoFundMe campaign and we raised 23,000. With that then, we were actually able to go for a grant as well for a further 25,000. And we ended up replacing all the wet pour, the soft play area, and we replaced all the junior area. So we got new playhouses, swings, roundabout. So we've all that work done since we've come on board. We have also, since 2019, replaced all the perimeter boards around the playground and the astroturf. They had all rotted, broken, cracked, they were falling down. And it was just a shame because really the whole place was looking so well and then the boards were letting it down. So we replaced those about five months ago. And in the meanwhile, we actually got another grant for 48,000 and we are replacing the senior piece, hopefully April, early May. That's where we're, where we're at at the moment. Before we got involved back in 2019, Father Kenny and a local lady, Mary Arthur, were pretty much doing the overseeing everything that was going on between the AstroTurf and the playground. But really, primarily, their role was paying back a historic loan that is, is on the playground for the last 15 years. So originally, there was a €250,000 loan taken out to build the AstroTurf and the playground. And there's still over 120,000 left, I think. So primarily what they, what they were doing was raising money to pay off the loan. So when we came on board, we've been raising it to progress it, to, you know, to, to fix what was broken, new equipment, new ideas. So, you know, Father Kenny is still plugging away. The AstroTurf pays towards the, the yearly mortgage repayments. And so does like the base swim in Kilkee and the calendars that they do every year. So there's a very good chance the playground would have gone by the wayside, would have been closed. Yeah. There would have been no such facility in Kilkee no. until a group got together yeah. and saved it for all yeah. the world. Yeah. And I mean, it really needed to be done because as a group of young parents, we really did need to step in. I mean, and they needed, I suppose, young people who had a vested interest for their children. And, that, and that's what it is. It's for our kids. We want them to be able to meet up socially in a safe place where they're role-playing you see them all the time they're role-playing they're you know developing their their fine motor skills they're climbing they're chatting they're playing hopscotch and it's lovely and and then parents get to meet up and yeah. they get to chat to each other too it's you know a social aspect as well for for mothers and fathers to, to meet up with people and it's a case in point that when the community comes together they can achieve so much i think so like it really proves when you see that i think within six weeks we had twenty thousand euro from the community and that's huge money that was you know at a time during covid when people weren't really working and their wages were reduced and we got huge backup from people and we still do we have a, a weekly 50 50 draw we still get people donating to that every week we have saint sinan's Kilkee, three of the guys from that they climbed uh karen Tuhill, and they gave us 50 percent of the proceeds and that money we're actually using to put new educational boards in around the playground so they're like the community is really really behind us i think they know how important it is and i think you know, you know yourself being out in the fresh air is 
probably one of the best things that children can be doing. And yeah. ourselves, I mean, and our ourselves. own mental health be yeah. out. It's a controlled, it's a safe environment yeah. for the kids, as you say, and it's where the parents can get together. It's a yeah. very, very big social event. As part of the Loop Head Together umbrella organisation, you're another group which yes. is working for itself, working mm -hmm. for the local community. I think myself, for such a rural area, that the groups that we have within West Clare are brilliant. They're always working hard and as a volunteer for any committee that you're on, it's basically a part-time job. You're, you're working to better your area for yourself and for your next generation and I just think whether it's our group or it's the guys back here in Carrigaholt or further back in Kilbaha, all the work they do is is great and it's it's unpaid work. It's it's work they do in their spare time, like I said, to better our lives, to make things in Kilkee, in West Clare, for people to do. Because really, without a playground, really all there is for children is the beach. And you know, every day is not a beach day. Um, <laughs> and you know, even here with the with the bicycles and the e-bikes, it's such a great amenity to have for visitors who want to to get out in the fresh air and tour around and see West Care. It's, I just think the groups back here are just, they're, they're brilliant. And of course, just going back to your own group in Kilkee, and there may very well be a group in another community in Clare, further mm -hmm. afield, having the same difficulties, but you've proven that if the community comes together, you can raise funds to yeah. put into a very, very worthwhile community project. Yeah, you can, and I know Dunbeg at the moment, they're actually trying to raise funds for their playground and they have a really really great bunch of people and they're so energetic they're they are just so determined to get a really nice playground for the children of Dunbeg and I mean if you're not just because you're in Dunbeg but people from Quilty will spin down people from Kilrush will spin up you don't just because you have it for your area doesn't mean it's just your area the tourists will have it if they're coming and visit the mobile home parks they'll be able to use it but they're really energetic they're really determined to get it done and I was chatting with them about it and they're doing well with their GoFundMe page but look they they need more they need more sponsorship like us all with we're all we're all looking for money as well as our local community being brilliant helping us fundraise our local councillors um, Ian Lynch, Killian Murphy and Gabriel Keating have been excellent in helping us to get some of the projects over the line and we also can't leave today without saying thanks to Clare County Council because they have really supported us and helped us with our funding to get the projects done and get the playground safe and up to standard so we're, we're really really happy. Along the road from Kilkee, sitting on the shores of the Shannon Estuary is Carrigaholt. Local businesswoman Mags Keane is host for Loophead e-bikes but is also organiser of Loophead community walks. When businesses in some areas of the county close down for the winter, Carrigaholt remains open. I suppose we just, we're all passionate about our area so that's the big thing. I know it's quite like this hour of the day but evening time the whole place lifts and it's the same in summertime. If you come into Carrigaholt Village, the morning is quiet, but the afternoon is totally different. And we're a close community, very close. Uh, we All the businesses here, we all work together, which helps because if anything you're organising, everyone's behind your back. So it's no, you, you get to know people this time of year, like people who are living here are just moved here. It's a chance to get really chatting to people. This time of year, most businesses will take their chance to let staff off and have their breaks before the big think from Easter on or Paddy's weekend on everything just lifts but uh, it is quiet but this is our time for organising. We have meetings upon meetings 
even tomorrow we have two now just to organize for the summer festivals and so it's just while it is quiet it's our time as i said to fundraise and organize tell me then mags how the loophead community walks came about came about because many years ago we did uh, operation transformation as a community and everybody loved the whole group getting together on a sunday and then when we when that was all wrapped up it was a lapse and then someone said to me why don't you start up a community walk on Sundays and even if there's only four, there's four of us going. So we started it up, uh, I'd say it's going 10 years and every Sunday is different and that's what's nice about it. You might have 14, you might have 30, you might have eight. It varies, it varies from weather but the whole thing is there's no pressure on anyone. If you show up one Sunday and we don't see you again for six weeks, it doesn't matter. You can zip in and out. It's all about just I suppose social inclusion on the peninsula. You might have neighbours that mightn't see each other for a week, so Sunday they know they're going to get together with their neighbour and have a chat. And there's no set pace, it's do it in your own, there's no race, you just do it in your own time. It's an hour on a Sunday where everybody should just give to themselves. You know, um, even the, the busy families, you know, with young kids and, you know, I'm sure the mother or the father, they would love an hour to themselves if they could organise it or bring the kids with them because you can, you can bring your kids and you can bring dogs as as they're on a lead. So it's open to anyone, it's free. And outside of that, you get to see all the beauty on the peninsula. And you have all the fresh air, you have the yes. castle, you have the piers. Do you have set walks or do you vary the walks? We vary the walks. Every Sunday is in a different part of the peninsula. So uh, this Sunday we were in Quern and it's just a nice loop there as we do 40 minutes, 45 minutes and probably head west. Then the following Sunday was always kind of a scenic walk. But it's good, like, we, we're really strong on mental health here as well, like, we like to, to say we do our part, so, like, as I said, someone on their own, this is something for them to look forward to. And the e-bikes, another very popular community project, they're based here yes. in your own premises in Carrigohold. Yes, the uh, Lupet e-bikes are thriving. I think Gary, the owner, is going to bring in some more new bikes this year, and there's tours available. I'm just the host here, I meet the people and let them off. Uh, it's fabulous. Some some people head off from here to Gilbaha, they might stop at Keatings, have their lunch, head up to the lighthouse, go for a swim in the Bridges of Ross, come back over and have a lovely evening meal in Long Dock. This is what it's about. It's, it's not about racing again, it's about mm -hmm. stopping and seeing the area. The Loop Head Together project then, mm -hmm. where all the communities are working under one umbrella, how important is that, do you believe? That is really, really important. Um, John Aston and company, uh, they all pulled. The, uh, John Aston has a knack of pulling different groups together and he's definitely succeeded in this one from farmers to business people to... There's so many involved in it now and it's a great way because we're all in WhatsApp groups, we know what's going on. There's a Facebook page that tell, there's the talks, there's walks, there's projects going on all year round. I think it's really important because it's bringing everyone from Kilkee right to Loophead, to Quern, to every direction together. And it's nice to know that farmers are getting involved because we want to include everyone in it. It's very important. Is this something that other communities around the country could learn from, could benefit from, do you believe? Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. You can all do your little projects. We could do one here on, on our own, but you have to think the bigger picture because when you're out on a rural area like this, things you might be looking for, for example, here, just the sewerage, we're looking for since 1957. And a thing like, it, the more bigger a project, more chances you have of getting uh, things like sewerage and whatever else you need for the area. So it's important that way. And the fact 
Mags that you got those two awards recently as well shows that the hard work you are doing as a local community is paying off. Oh, it definitely is, yeah. And it's nice because it gives you, as group members, to be more positive because sometimes things go on, you kind of lapse, but awards like that thing jizz you up again now for the summer season again. How important, though, is it that groups and businesses and people locally they work together as a community, not just in Carrigahold, but across the peninsula. Everybody could just go and do their own thing, but working together, does that make for a more positive, more vibrant community, do you believe? Oh, I do, yeah. You can go and do your own little projects, but it just might come to nothing. Whereas when you're in a big group and when businesses back it up, you have way more chances of obtaining whatever your goal is. And for here, there is a lot of projects even to come, so we're only starting out. Coming up, We'll hear about the work being done by other groups involved in the fledgling yet award-winning Loophead Together project. Welcome back to Atlantic Tales. Today we're visiting the Loophead Peninsula to meet some of the groups that comprise the Loophead Together project, which scooped two accolades recently in the 2022 Pride of Place Awards. Under the umbrella of Loophead Together, right across the peninsula, groups including development organisations, schools, sports clubs, tidy towns, drama and playground committees are all run by volunteers. The Quirin Schoolhouse Project is another wonderful initiative the local community is continuing to develop. Robert Brown is chairman of Quirin Schoolhouse Group. We were approached by the diocese that is the Quirin Community Development Group to see if we would take over the school, help make it a community centre. We decided we would prefer to open it out to the public, get workshops, questionnaires, and get a different separate committee so that the local people felt more involved. And with COVID, there was difficulties with that. But over a period of a year or so, the last two years, we eventually got the committee organised last April. And from April to now, we're in the process of organising leases, strategic plans, funding. And the overall project is to, to redesign and renovate the schoolhouse to create a multifunctional community asset. So the fear would have been that, as with many national schools around the country that have closed down, they might have gone by the wayside, might have gone unused. You want to make sure that you get the best benefit out of it for the community. Yes, because Quarren Bar the pier at Quarren, which is where mainly Quarren people meet, we had no actual building bar the school, and if it had gone, it would have been the end of um, its use for various functions that were used there over the years, like plays and concerts. So it's, it's, it, it was, it's a valuable thing to keep. But how difficult is it for a community to take a project like this on? Because it's a big undertaking. It's a very, very difficult thing. We all thought it was uh, quite easy to do. But fortunately, we have the help of the Loophead Together group and the experience of lots of members. And within the Quarren area, we have accountants, we have business people, we have marketers, we have solicitors. So. Everybody has been able to give their little bit and volunteering is difficult and it is, it's hard to get them. But I think Quarren is special in that the people want it, they desperately want it and are willing, if you ask them to do things, to go out of the way and help. And there probably is a certain nostalgia. There are probably members of your group who went to school there who want to see this building 
maintained Absolutely. Uh, for the community. Yeah, the school opened up in 1877. It's had a long history. My own mother went to school there in the 1930s when they were speaking Irish. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad day when it closed down. It is, as we said, Robert, it's a, a big undertaking taking on a project like this. What are the plans? What do you hope to do with the old schoolhouse? Well, the, the main plan is for it to be open as a meeting centre for the community. And within that, we have to make it self-sustainable. And the idea to get self-sustainable is to create a business hub and a commercial type kitchen and along with the meetings in the halls, clubs that will go on there, the classes, it will be self-funding, self-sustainable entity. It depends what the community want. But originally when we had our workshops and our questionnaires, we actually asked the community what they wanted it for and we had many, many things. But the top five or six projects within that are what we're aiming to get initially. The whole concept of Quern Schoolhouse, the, the office hub, the cafe, the, the support of the local community won't, won't be a success without the whole of Loophead coming in behind it. And we realised that ourselves very, very early on and we got great help from the Loophead Together Tourism initially in getting the whole thing set up. So we value that absolutely. It, it's, it's crucial that that continues. It may be at some stage there could be a few employees between the Quarren Schoolhouse, the Cross uh, Hub and the Hall of Oana out in Kilbaha, a joint few people get deployed. So there's endless possibilities but it's getting it over the first few steps is always the most difficult. With the Shannon Estuary on one side and the Atlantic Ocean on the other, the Loophead Peninsula is a beautiful place and an ideal location to grow hemp. Husband and wife team Laura Foley and Daniel Lines established their own business in 2018, growing the plant for the production of CBD oil. There are many other uses for the plant, however, and hemp for soil is a regenerative farming experiment being undertaken on the peninsula. The project saw Loophead take home the National Climate Action Accolade at the Pride of Place Awards in Dublin recently. Laura Foley. So one of the things we learned very early on when we were growing hemp is that it has huge environmental benefits. And another thing that we also were aware of is in modern days we're depleting our soil, so our soil is in, in a really bad way. And Hemp for Soil was a project about showing how farmers could grow hemp on their land using regenerative farming practices. We used biochar and local slurry to fertilize the hemp and we wanted to show that we could improve the soil health. So we got two researchers involved. We got Dr. Kate Randall from the University of Essex who did the DNA analysis of the soil. We wanted to show that we can increase the amount of microbes in the soil. And then we had another researcher called Dr. Lena Madden from LIT, which is the Technological University of Shannon Region. And she did all the analysis of the soil health. The genesis of the project was, so Kate Randall from the University of Essex was following our Instagram page. Uh, Daniel uses all regenerative farming practices when he's growing the hemp. So we don't use any artificial fertilizer. We don't use any um, herbicides or glyphosates or anything like that. So what Daniel was doing was he was making this microbial tea 
from locally, kind of from seaweed and from local mycelium. And then he was adding that to biochar, which is charcoal for all intents and purposes. And he was mixing the two together and putting it in the soil. And that was fertilizing our plants naturally. And we had a plot that had really, really successfully growing hemp that was like maybe five feet tall. And then we had other plants that hadn't been treated and they were like maybe a foot tall. And you could see from the images that there was there was definitely something going on. So that really interested Kate. So she came over, she did some initial assessments, just measured the plants and took some soil samples. And what she saw was that there was huge potential in this way of fertilizing this, rather than using um, artificial chemicals. So the, the, the project then developed from that initial um, research. So we went out to the local farming community and, and asked for 10 farmers to put forward an acre of their land to trial we wanted to see if we could you know replicate this and if we could prove that we were we, this was actually beneficial so we had 10 local people involved in the project which was fantastic so the benefits for farmers are kind of multiple which we were really excited about so you're you're not using expensive artificial fertilizer you're producing your own fertilizer from local microbes and from this biochar so biochar is carbon it's you you take a biomass something like something like hemp you heat treat it until it's this charcoal material and that's locked in carbon that's inert it will stay in that form for a thousand years so by adding that to the soil you're actually taking carbon from the environment and you're putting it into the ground and you're building soil so the microbes are building soil the, the biochar is building soil but actually then the the process of the hemp growing in the soil has is phytoremedial so it cleans the soil so if there's any chemicals or heavy metals in the soil by growing hemp itself you can clear the soil so we basically wanted to show that growing hemp regeneratively could be beneficial to the soil but also there's lots of research that says after you plant hemp the next plant that you grow can be up to 20 percent more percent more of a yield so there's there's loads of benefits one of the benefits that we really found kind of unusual was that when we mixed because what we actually did in the project is we took slurry from a local farm we took biochar and we mixed them together and when we first opened the slurry pit, the smell was so intense. But then as we mix the biochar, the biochar actually soaks up the, the smell so there's no smell off it. So, and what it also does is when the biochar holds onto the slurry in the soil, there's less leaching of the, the slurry into the groundwater. So what you're doing is you're holding it in place and it's less chances of it to contaminate local water supplies. How difficult, Laura, or how easy was it to get those first 10 farmers involved? These are all loop head farmers. Um, I suppose at the start, because it was such an unusual idea, it was it kind of it, it took some time to kind of communicate what we were hoping to achieve. But Lupet people are very, very innovative. They're very forward-thinking. You know, they've they've done a lot of sustainable like work before. Once we, I think we had the first couple of farmers signed up, it kind of just snowballed really quickly. And as well, we had some really, really big dairy farmer and a big suckler farmer involved. So. I think once people realised you know, that this was you know, a genuine research project that had huge potential, and um, people were very interested in getting involved. The plan at the moment is to see if we can get a second phase for him for soil because anything when you're studying soil and carbon sequestration, one year isn't enough really to get great data. So we've got some really good data, but we'd love to do it for a second and a third year. But actually, one of the things that really, one of the big things that came out of it was the fact that we can sequester a huge amounts of carbon. And farmers are getting a really bad time when it comes to, you know, carbon emissions. So the potential for it to make our farms, by growing a small amount of hemp every year, to make them carbon negative, 
was, was one of the first things that kind of got us very, very excited. And Clare County Council have chosen Loupette as their decarbonising zone. So the potential is that we could do, if we can do the calculation and see how much hemp it would take to grow to offset carbon that was created on the peninsula of Loupette and then turn that hemp into biochar and then put that biochar into the farmer's land, you know, there's a potential to make the whole of Loupette, not just the farmers, the whole of Loupette, carbon zero. So we could possibly be the first carbon negative community in Ireland, which is a, would be huge to achieve. And all that hard work paid off because you got that award recently. Yes. What award was that and how important was it to the organisation, to the group? Well, even just to be part of the application process was exciting for us because uh, I think it was in July when the Pride of Place judges came to Loupette to, to visit all the different um, you know, initiatives in the Plinster. We were delighted when Hemp for Soil had been included and the judges came to the farm and they saw the hemp growing. So we were so excited about that. That in itself was, was for us as a business was kind of like, wow, okay, hemp has huge potential. But then for Loupette to win the prize of best coastal community, that was super exciting. And at the award ceremony, we were so delighted. But when we heard later on Marty Whelan say hemp for soil in the National Climate Action Award, they just erupted. We were just so excited. It's huge because get that kind of national appreciation for a project that is what's oh, the grassroots, you know, and really very much driven by a, com a small community. It's a huge clap on the back. Further west along the road from Carrigaholt, as we get closer to the iconic Loop Head Lighthouse, we come upon Kilbaha. Holla Owen in Kilbaha is another example of how a local community saw the potential of renovating a derelict building for the benefit of locals. Holla Owen is run by another group of volunteers and the committee is chaired by Mary Keane. It was an older building, it was a school until the 1960s and then some work was done following on from the 1960s when the new school down the road was opened so this Holla Owen was no longer in use as a school. Some work was done with it but over time and because of the, I suppose, the exposure to the elements, the building did become dilapidated and it did become, it was an unused building. But in more recent times, a group of local people came together and recognised possibly the need for a centre here and sort of saw the potential of what could be done, came together and worked tremendously hard through the COVID period, sought grants, were supported and we now have the building that we have today. What state was it in when you took it over? Had it been idle for some time? Oh, it had been idle for some time, yes, it was. It had sort of water egress and it was very damp and sort of floorboards, etc., were, were in pretty grim condition. The roof itself was good. Now, I wasn't involved with the committee at that time. I came on board in more recent times, but I would have known the building from living locally myself. So it wasn't fit for any purpose when it was sort of taken into the hands of the committee who worked to, to bring it to the state it's in today. So the community decided we needed a facility we could use mm -hmm. for the community. Yes, yes. And this was sitting here waiting to be used. It would have been a shame to let it go. Yes, a, a meeting was held locally a public meeting was held locally and from that a number of people emerged who were willing to take on various roles to try to bring their dream to fruition locally and yes it would have just sat idly and deteriorated further over time and become a terrible eyesore. When you take a building like that, particularly a building that had become dilapidated as you say, it's a major project 
to bring it up to a standard where the community can actually use it. Was it a big job? It was a big job and I guess it was even made more challenging because it was happening during the COVID times. But it was a very big job. It was a job that was sort of taken in stages when sort of money and support and grants came down. It was done over a period of time with um, sort of a, a very sort of close eye kept on it by the members of the committee who saw it through to the, the beautiful building we have today. I suppose if we're talking about pride of place, the community have had so, so, so much pride in this building since it, was, since it was opened. We have had a, a number of events here ranging from events for children to sort of to, to drama to events for adults but on a weekly basis there is a Two drama classes are held here on a Monday for younger children and older children earlier on a Monday evening. And then two groups of, one group of Leaving Cert students and one group of fifth year students come for Gaelga support, a little part of Gaelga here. So we have that ongoing every Monday. And then every Wednesday we have a Fadog tin whistle classes where the children come and Bernie Keane, an accomplished tin whistle player, comes and teaches the children tin, tin whistle or Fadog. So we have a lot going on sort of consistently over the weeks. And then we have other events which are sort of maybe community, aimed at community as well, and at, at the various interest groups within the community. You're getting the best possible use out of this fantastic facility. How did you manage without it? I don't actually know, but there was a crying <laughs> need for something in here. There was a crying need for a building of this standard and a building that's so comfortable and warm and bright and inviting. And I suppose I have to also say that the building, the proximity to the church, the building has come into its own over the last number of months and weeks because people, we've, we have the facility to stream mass from the church in the hall so if there's a need for an overflow people can come here if people need to use a toilet or people need a cup of tea like in 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 the course of a funeral that the door is always open and then as you're looking in here through this uh, wide glass door you're looking in at the heritage center which is open to the public and and free access to all of the archives to, to the history of the building to the history of the locality and that's open and manned or womaned by free volunteers who give of their time and give of their knowledge and and allow this to be open to the public in say may from may weekend maybe june july august we opened it last year through june july august September up to the October weekend on a, on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. We're also having a weekend for support from Gaelga locally where presentations in Gaelga will be made uh, about the history of the area, the little arc, how it came about and the, the, the history of the people involved and the personnel involved and the whole area that will be in support of Gaelga on the uh, St. Patrick's weekend. And also just to, to remember that we are all also going ahead with a Loophead Easter camp from the 11th to the 13th of April uh, for children who are aged 4 to 10 with a variety of really good events happening. It's very clear that this is truly a community project. Everybody's getting involved and you've also been able to help Ukrainians who have come to Ireland. Yes, there's actually great community support for this hall and there's great enthusiasm about it and people are, are really sort of happy that it's here and that it's working and that it's a, it's a really viable building now. And I suppose the, the whole Ukrainian, the issue of the Ukrainians, a, a group of Ukrainian people came to the area very early on in the time and unfortunately circumstances locally weren't 
weren't as we would have liked. So all those people were, were brought here to the hall and were given breakfast, lunch and tea and supported all of that day so before they moved on to a new location. So the Halla actually was quite recently opened at the time and uh, there's a most beautiful working kitchen in there and so it was so welcoming, so warm and community again, people from the community rallied in, provided food, were supported locally and were enabled to, to, to provide those Ukrainians with the, the food and the comfort that they needed at that time. I suppose the importance of community in Luped is really put us on the map because 10 years ago when Luped Tourism took on the mantle of sustainable tourism, they really, they, and they won so many awards around sustainability that really helped the businesses on Luped and the community on Luped to be sustainable. And 10 years on now to see Luped together coming together and there's so much expertise on the peninsula, so much knowledge, so many different people coming from different areas of expertise working together, now putting Luped on the map as a place for sustainable agriculture. I think it's really driving home Luped is a location that is innovative, forward thinking, but has environmental concerns in their forefront. I think we've been very fortunate and the Climate Action Award for us I'm hoping will leverage out interest and funding down the line to carry out more projects, similar projects and show that we're ahead of the posse and we're doing innovative things in Loophead and it might encourage people to say, to maybe prick up their ears a bit and say maybe it's not a bad place to be.